And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Spin Rate presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. That's right, this is Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice. Thank you so much for dialing us up. A bit of a disappointing stretch here for your Toronto Blue Jays, but all all is not yet lost, I don't think. Still plenty of baseball to be played. Still plenty of games against teams ahead of them in the standings and teams that are terrible. Lots of opportunity to break up ground, make up ground. Break up the the Yankees? I don't know. If ever there was someone who could who could help break it down, the Blue Jays' remaining schedule and playoff chances, it is the Athletics' own. You follow her. She covers the Blue Jays. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. Enjoying my off day. Enjoying your off day by making a podcast. Isn't that yeah. exciting? Yeah, well, Jays' off day, which is kind of an off day for me. But, Fair enough. You yeah. were prolific. You were cranking out power rankings and writing weekend rap columns. And if you haven't read those yet, I think you should go to theathletic.com slash spinrate and subscribe to The Athletic through the link of theathletic.com slash spinrate so they know that we sent you. They'll give you a tidy discount. Then you can read everything that Caitlin writes. You can read everything that everyone writes. The Raptors are playing Summer League. Blake Murphy was even there. You can read what Blake's got to say about the about the Raptors. You can read everything that Caitlin writes about the Blue Jays, about power rankings. You can read all the angry things people say to her because she has the audacity <laughs> to make offhand remarks in the serious biz- baseball business that are power rankings. Super serious. So I would suggest go subscribe to The Athletic if you don't already. That's the only reason you would have for not reading the columns of Caitlin's that I previously referenced. You can also subscribe to this show. If it's your first time listening, thank you so much for taking the time. Dial us up to give it a shot. So you can, wherever you get your podcast, if you like what you hear, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever. A lot of people saying they're moving podcast-wise to Spotify. There are some UX issues over on Apple Podcasts. I am, I can't say that, uh, that that has been my experience, but that's what I, I hear in the podcast streets. But anyway, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Give us some feedback. If you have anything you'd love to say uh, or anything you'd like to hear on the show, don't be afraid. afraid send us a message. Send, uh, send us a, me a DM on Twitter. You can. Uh, you can follow Caitlin at uh, Caitlin. What's the letter that's in the point? L? C. C. Caitlin C. McGrath on Twitter and Drew Groff on Twitter as well. So all the housekeeping out of the way. A little bit of a diff- disappointing week, weekend. When last we spoke, uh, last week, it was early in the week, in fact, I spoke to Riley Breckenridge of Thrice about uh, about the Angels. Of course, he is a uh, uh, among the world's most famous Angels fans, which is an uh, accomplishment about him and his, his the band's successful career, but also State of the Angels kind of thing. It's a, the duality of man, the duality of Otani experienced in Riley's fame. But since that time, Blue Jays... Uh, they split two out of four with the Angels, and then they went into Seattle, and they lost the series. They won on Sunday to salvage one game out of that three-game series against the playoff wildcard aspirant Mariners. Bit of a letdown. Maybe some of the, the worst fears, I think, maybe, maybe I'm overreacting. The worst fears confirmed of Blue Jays fans in that the warts of the team sort of came to the surface a little bit bit of the feeling of the bad old days but I, I don't know Caitlin what do you I know what I think I'm going to ask you how much of the the this was a terrible road trip is more about expectation than actual performance yeah that's probably accurate I also think that certain losses just feel worse and given the history that the Blue Jays have had this year with bullpen blowups and given just 
generally speaking, how it feels to me as like an observer of teams and fans that bullpen blowups tend to be the most crushing way to lose a game because it often happens very late in the game. It often happens when it's quite close. So it just feels worse. And so I think it was kind of a combination of those things. Those, like you say, Blue Jays fans sort of worst fears coming true again. Um, these old war- old warts or old wounds coming back again, all this kind of stuff. And I think that it also hurt because it came from two relievers or partly came from two relievers who have been very good for the Blue Jays. Like Adam Simber didn't quite look like himself this weekend or last weekend, I should say, in Seattle. Um, Trevor Richards, who has been really good, um, you know, had a bad outing and sometimes that happens. And so I think that that made it also feel a little bit worse because it was like, okay, so we've, you know, this team has rebuilt this bullpen and now we're seeing the sort of same things occur. I have to say that this stuff happens, like bullpens blow games. Like look at the Yankees on the, uh, whatever it was, Thursday night, that Field of Dreams game. You know, they- Thursday night, yeah. Yeah, the the Yankees um, bullpen isn't quite what it used to be because they have a, quite a few injuries with their team right now. But I think it was Zach Britton that gave up the the winning home run, and obviously he's kind of you know he's a late inning guy or he has that pedigree. He hasn't been the same this year, but in his past he's been a good uh, late inning reliever. Obviously, so um, this stuff happens, and I think that you're right that why it was so disappointing was that I think that. Seattle is kind of a bad matchup for the Blue Jays. I think just they are such an inverse team to them that it feels like logically the Blue Jays should not have a hard time beating the Mariners because the Mariners are not a high scoring team. Um, But now we've seen them play each other twice in the season series and the Mariners have come away winners um, of both series. Like they've beaten the Blue Jays in the season series. So they obviously play the Blue Jays tough. They don't maybe match up well. Um, the, the Mariners have pretty good pitching. Um, and I think that it was just Friday and Saturday. There was a lot of bad execution on the offensive side. Um, there was also, we have to go back to the Friday night game where it just seemed like a lot did not go the Blue Jays way. There was that call um, on the slide where uh, I looked at it a few times and I, you know, don't want to be accused of being called a homer or anything, but I had a hard time seeing definitively where the tag was. Um, I think some people were saying that the sort of like laces on the glove maybe got um, him. I, I know. I don't know. It just, it wasn't clear. And I do agree when Charlie said after the game that generally like when it doesn't look definitive, they generally don't reverse the call and the call on the field was safe. And so it was just more surprising, I guess, that that got reversed. And then that ninth inning was just, you know, one bad thing after another. And it was like Simber losing the strike zone. And then he'd have that little like comeback or to the mound that he tipped off. And then it was like Simeon was running into the base runner and then the bases were loaded and Brad Hand came in and could not throw a strike. And it was just like a real bad series of events for that game. And then, you know, the Saturday game was also kind of hugely deflating in another way where you're just, you're, you're winning by one run and then your bullpen allows five runs and you end up losing the game. Um, And so it was seemingly more disappointing just, I think because of the ways they lost um, and also the expectations that they had, but looking ahead, they can still make this a winning trip if they go and win two in Washington, then they would come out of the trip five and four, I believe. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's not, it's not the best, but it's also not awful if they come out of the West coast trip going five and four. I agree, but I do think that it's not just expectation because people want them to win because it's more fun when they do given the blue Jays position in the playoff pecking order, they need to, do more than break even or finish either, you know, a, a one game or, or let, they can't afford to lose more than they win in any given stretch of the season because 
of where they are. They they did such a great job in the homestand of taking care of business against A, bad teams, and then B, the Red Sox, who are a bad team in disguise, but also <laughs> above them in the standings. That's huge. But that's what they need to do. And it's the problem with treading water for the first three months of the season. It's the problem with a very cluttered wild card picture is that the Blue Jays didn't, weren't able to create any separation. They weren't e- able to, to gain any ground. In fact, they lost ground. And one thing that you and I talked about when we spoke you know, one week ago was the opportunity to beat the Mariners and push them down. But now they're above the Blue Jays. And it's not that the Mariners are better, but those wins are in the bag. And now it's another team that if you're a fan, you are, you're a scoreboard watching. It's another team that you have to be concerned about in terms of where are we relative to games won, games <coughs> lost versus versus that team. And it just it just complicates things that much further. And the nature of the games, the the fact that they felt you know, at hand, the 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 kind of terrible slash controversial call uh, with Valera, the the kind of weirdness. But we, you know, when when Trevor Richards comes in and then gives up, you know, back to back home runs or a couple home runs, whatever. Excuse me, was the exact situation. But when you don't have any margin for error, you can't weather. Oh, our relievers aren't you know, true talent, zero ERA guys, they're going to give up a run. They're going to get hit a little bit. They're going to lose the strike zone if they're Adam Simber, you know, who's been performed at an unbelievable level since he arrived. They're going to put themselves into positions where you put Brad Hand in, in a situation where he is in almost in a no-win situation. And then, of course, he ends up walking Jared Kelnick. And Jared, whatever. Yeah, uh, he has a lot of like extra letters in each of his names, but I think it's just Jared Kelnick. It, that's definitely not how you're supposed to pronounce his last name. But it rem- I'll never forget <laughs> when the when the Blue Jays played the Twins in the 1987 playoffs. 87? No, it was when the Twins went to the World Series. Their shortstop's name was Eric Gagne. No, not Eric Gagne. Whenever his his last name was Gagne, G A G N E, but Nope. His name was Gagney. That's how he pronounced, <laughs> he pronounced it. And my mom was like, what the fuck? Like she could not get over that this guy pronounced his name Gagney. And then they're on TV being like, and here's shortstop Gagney steps up to the plate. That's, that's this someone, someone who speaks like Slovenian or, or, or Croatian needs to come on and give us like a real Kalenik, Klenik, some kind of thing in there. <laughs> Cause that's, that's where I, that's where I'm getting the vibe from, from Kelnik. From, from, from superfluous E. Kelnick. But anyway, the Blue Jays don't have any margin for error. So every loss is magnified. And the, when the losses are of a, uh, tough fucking luck in Charlie Montoyo's delightful <laughs> parlance, uh, it's, it, it, they, they feel doubly worse. You, you feel, again, you can't, ex- but it's, and that's that, it's that problem because you can't expect the Blue Jays to go into Anaheim. You can't say you have to go into Anaheim and win three out of four because that's, Tough to do against any team to win three, unless you catch the Orioles in the middle of an 11 game losing streak. Demanding or having an expectation of winning three or four is really unfair. So even if you, if you flip one game with, with, uh, with the Mariners, A, we might feel a bit better, you know, as, as fans and people who are watching the, watching the team, watching the game, counting the, sta- the, the standings. But the bigger issue is just that, that if you take one off the, the win ledger and put or one off the loss and add one to the win, there's not in any different situation other than Seattle, right? Everything else, the Yankees are still up there. The Red Sox are still up there. The Rays are still up there. They're not really making up any ground unless they continue to go on, like play at an astronomical pace, which, I mean, it's not that they can't, but it's just that they need to, which I think is, uh, is tough. But they have the talent... As long as they can avoid having the bad things come at the same time. It looks like you're about to say something. Two things. Okay. Um, the Jays are still one game ahead of Seattle. Oh, they are. Okay. I, yes. I guess after sa- Sunday's win. Fair enough. Yeah. So they the Seattle gained one game on them because the one, the win, one loss kind of cancels each other out. So, yes. Um, but – and the other thing I was going to mention – Speaking of bad things, we forgot to mention George Springer. We didn't forget to mention. Did you look at the run sheet before we started recording, Caitlin? Okay, I <laughs> forgot to mention when I was running down all the bad things that happened in the game because 
I was focusing on why they lost and they didn't lose because they could George Springer exited the game. Although it all did start to spiral after that happened. So maybe it was like spiritually they lost that game because George Springer was hurt and they were all worried about him. But sorry, I didn't mean to ruin your rundown. No, I did it's lo- fine. I, it's I, fine. I did, you know, I'm just I out did, here grinding for nothing. It's good. I Don't. did look at it. I did look at it. Mm. Um, I did it like five minutes before we started a recording. So it's not like it's been like I just, homework I just for felt you. like people are going to be like, she didn't even mention George Springer getting hurt. And I was going to think people are thinking I'm not on top of things. So No one would ever accuse you of not <laughs> being on top of things, baseball-wise. We'll be right back with more Spin Rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On top of the disappointment of a thus far uh, road trip in which they have lost more than they have won is now the question of George Springer. Now, initially, it looked really bad. George Springer needed to be helped off the field as he uh, ranged back to try to make a catch in uh, right center field, came down awkwardly or may have maybe leapt awkwardly, whatever it was, came out of the game, didn't play on Sunday and then it's off again. And then Monday here when we were recording is an off day. But he, the ne- x-rays were negative, And there was some hope that maybe he'll be able to get back in the lineup soon, as soon as Tuesday. Or is that maybe hope we shouldn't get too much into this because by the time most people hear it, we might know. But initially it looked worse. And then the, the report started to get better. So maybe not the worst thing, but not a player the Blue Jays can afford to lose, obviously. Obviously, yeah. So... You're correct that it definitely was, I think, a scarier moment just because of how it looked and the initial, um, the initial like sequence of events where he was limping off the field and it looked very bad. But yeah, everything since has been fairly optimistic and that, yes, the negative or the, uh, x rays were negative and that it's just a mild ankle sprain and he looked, you know, walking around a little bit in the dugout on Sunday. So that's always a good sign. Um, I think that the Blue Jays could take this path um, with caution, just given that they are playing against the Washington Nationals, who aren't a competitive team, um, even less so of a competitive team now after the trade deadline and they've traded all their players away. And so if there's Games that the Blue Jays should be able to get by without George Springer in their lineup and give him some extra rest. I think that this week looks like an opportunity where he doesn't necessarily need to play these games and the Blue Jays should be able to handle them. So if you're the Blue Jays and he's not feeling completely 100%, I don't think you're necessarily going to push him um, Tuesday. If he's feeling better, potentially maybe he'll get in the game Wednesday. I also don't think it's just the worst idea to rest him basically the entire week until Friday when they're back at home. And then you can also have the option of DHing him. That won't exist in Washington. He would have to play the field. Um, and so I think just given like what we know about George Springer and that he seems to have quite a high pain tolerance and is also a fairly sort of competitive gamer type guy and might want to push himself Slightly before he's ready, which we maybe saw earlier in the season when he came back and then he quickly re-injured the quad. And so I don't think that this is as serious or anything, but I also think that 
it's an opportunity where they could just give him some rest. And I don't think it's the worst thing if he misses Tuesday's game. They should be able to handle it. Uh, obviously, he's playing well, and they don't want to be without him for a long time. But with Teoscar Hernandez hitting as well as he's hitting and some other guys kind of stepping up, and again, it's Washington. I they they've I looked, and like they've won, like, the, the fewest amount of games since either since the all-star break or since the trade deadline of any team. Like they are just, they're not playing well right now. And so the Blue Jays should be able to go in there and handle business without necessarily needing, needing, absolutely needing George Springer as much as it would be nice to have him in the lineup. And they want to get him back sooner than later, but rest is also important right now. So I have two things. Um, number one, I feel like it's such a difference between a four game series and a two game series where a four game series Ask, expecting or, or or requiring a sweep is a tall task. A two-game series, I don't think it's unreasonable to say you got to go in there and win both those games. Yes. Like, there's just that much. It's baseball, I feel like. So in baseball, the amount of times that weird shit or tough fucking luck, as Charlie Montoyo says, it will come at, come and get you. You kind of <laughs> run out of run out of good luck and you'll have, you just... You can't expect to have it sustain it for four games, but two games is completely, completely understandable. And I don't think that's unfair to say. I also don't, I mean, they're never going to look past them. And especially if you ask them, they're not going to be like, yeah, we take these guys lightly 100%. They're <laughs> dog shit. I don't know if you've seen what this, this lineup, these nationals are running out there, but boy, it is rough. It's Juan Soto and a dog's breakfast, but they absolutely need to get both these games. I think that they have the opportunity. Um, as you said, without the DH, it's a decent little built-in um, excuse for like, okay, George, we're going to have to sit you down. You know, we're we're going to take advantage of whatever. I'll give, I mean, give him a kind of give him a, a bit of a line. But the one thing I would say though, and, and this is the unfortunate thing that I know this is not going to be news to anybody, but while George Springer definitely has a high pain tolerance and all that, he's only played 150 games once in his career. 150 games or more. Played 100, he played all 162 back in 2016. And then he played 140, 140, 122. And then he played almost all the games last year. Well, he played 51 of 60. So this is not a guy who's known to be on the field all the time. And again, that's not going to be news to the Blue Jays when they signed him and they threw a big pile of money at him. They kind of had to figure this was who he, was, who he is and who he's going to continue to be, especially as he gets older. But, I mean, sometimes guys just get hurt It's some the, the number one predictor of future injuries is past injuries. And mm-hmm. this is a little bit different, obviously, than the soft tissue thing with the hamstring. But uh, still a little bit worrisome. But also you kind of got to take it. This is this is who he is. And it's not a secret. It's not a, he's not uh, was never going to win the Ironman competition. So or not like it's an Ironman because I don't think he does triathlons. But he's never <laughs> going to win the be like Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, the Blues outfield Without him, it should be okay. Mm-hmm. Right now, you've kind of got uh, Corey Dickerson hit his first home run as a Blue Jay, I believe, there on Sunday. You've got uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who's in the middle of a very Lourdes Gurriel Jr.-esque stretch, where he's mm-hmm. hitting uh, all the things all the time. But the fixture <coughs> in right field, the talk of the town, the American League's player of the week, Teoscar Hernandez, who does not get enough attention on this show. That vibe, much I know for sure. The, the vibes officer. He is the chief executive. He's been promoted to the C-suite <laughs> of vibes. He is up there fully managing the brand strategy and the vibes in general. Uh, man, Teoscar Hernandez is really good. He's he's He is, of course, riding a heater like many other folks do. But uh, this heater is going on like two years now. Um, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of talk about the Blue Jays should maybe extend him. That's, you know, that conversation sort of starts up every so often for any player. If they have a couple of good weeks, it's like, keep him around forever. And I'm 100% guilty of that, especially if their vibes are good. If the guys, if the guys vibes are, 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 are on point, I want him around forever. Caitlin, what do you think about all this Teoscar Hernandez chatter? And just, did you ever see this coming from Teoscar Hernandez? He's, I guess he's probably been on the, around the Blue Jays for almost the exact same amount of time as you. So I wonder what your view, how your view of Teoscar Hernandez has changed. Um, yeah, I think he <clears throat> pre- he was before me a little bit, but in terms of him being more of an everyday full time player, totally overlaps with my time 
with the team. And it's interesting because I do remember that day in 2019 or whenever it was when he got sent down and he had been really struggling at the plate. And I think defensively he was struggling quite a bit as well. Which would I think be, that was that was when they were sorry to interrupt you. That was when they were trying him in center field and stuff. They were doing anything to get him out of the corner because he just mm-hmm. kept butchering things that were hit right at him and just having a, a horrible time. Sorry, I interrupted. It's okay. Um, and that was sort of the story of his early career arc with the Blue Jays was that how troubled of a defender he was and also just how sort of um, you know streaky he could be, I guess. And he had this insane power from his bat but he would strike out a lot and you know he was kind of a one-dimensional hitter in some ways and if you look at the numbers and I apologize because I haven't actually done this recently but I know people have because Charlie kind of brings this up all the time and but if you do look back at the numbers of like since he came back in 2019 when he got recalled um he's basically been a very above average player since that point. Like it's, I don't know exactly like what his what runs uh, created plus is and all, and all that kind of stuff, but just the numbers, it completely aligns with when he got called up. And so obviously he did work on some stuff and that was kind of a learning experience for him and an eye opening experience for him going down and, and getting sent down when you've kind of a more, I don't know, completely established yourself as a major leaguer, but somewhat established yourself as a major leaguer. It's kind of a gut punch to get sent down at that point in your career. And so you do kind of have to face the music a little bit and figure out, okay, well, what's, you know, what's going on here? What, what am I doing or what am I not doing and figure it out. And, and Oscar's talked a lot about improving his plate approach, um, becoming a better hitter, hitting the other way, um, being able to get some more pitches, looking for his pitches to hit, um, having a better two strike approach, like all these things he's worked on. He's, um, you know, he's got such a great attitude. He's such a nice guy to talk to. He just loves the game of baseball so much. Um, and that's really important. He works really hard defensively. He's gotten so much better. And so it's actually been really fun to watch him see become this like great player for the blue Jays. And I think it's so interesting that he flies under the radar so much, not just in the majors, but even on the team a little bit. And I think that's just like the way the team is built. You have these young guys like uh, Vladdy and Bo that are homegrown talent. And then you have, uh, you know, this offseason, they bring in these superstars of Marcus Simeon and, and especially George Springer. And you have these pitchers that they bring in. And and there's like a lot of things going on on the team that Teoscar Hernandez being, you know, their you know, he's one of their best hitters, but he's also maybe their like fourth best hitter. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's kind of insane how how stacked their lineup is. And I appreciated your tweet today about how they've had three straight player of the weeks. Um, this team must be a juggernaut. They must be just cru- <laughs> cruising to a playoff spot. Uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, just to see T. Oscar's career um kind of blossom it's cool because i think there was a lot of uncertainty especially last year and in in a 60 game season and he didn't play all 60 games i think he missed like two weeks or so but there was a lot of uncertainty of like okay is this just kind of a flash in the pan or is just kind of this like an effect of he went on a run for you know 50 whatever games he played and any player can get hot for 50 games or whatever it may be. And I think that it's really cool that he's completely backed up his um, play last year. And, you know, he's, he's on a tear right now. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be like a 400 hitter or whatever he's hitting right now um, for the rest of the year. But um, he is like hitting above 300. He's got like more than 80 RBIs on the season. I don't know what his home runs are up to yet, but um it's probably close to 20. He, um, he, I think he he hit his 20th. Um, yeah, that's day. it. That's yeah. it. Because I think the Blue Jays have like five players now that have hit 20 at least or something like that. Mm-hmm. The, so one of the things about Teoscar Hernandez that's really interesting, and I think it speaks to to the point that you made about him kind of flying under the radar a little bit, is he's uh, basically one of the only guys, position players in particular, that cross over to like the old bad days sort of. Right. Like he, uh, he, I have a, you know, there's like him and maybe like Gritchick and, you know, you're talking about like when the Blue Jays were bad. Yeah. Like, or, but even yeah. before like 2017 or 2018. Yeah. 
right? But he was he was through the rebuild and a little bit more, like well, predates the the thing. The thing that I think about is like he played with he played with uh, uh, what's his name? He played with like Jose Bautista. He he drove in Josh Donaldson, like which is weird to think about. That's weird to think that the Blue Jays were that he was around then that that crossover because like hardly any of the of the existing players have that uh, that kind of crossover. And then you know he you mentioned when he got sent down. So he got sent down in at the in in May of 2019. Mm-hmm. He was he had a 562. OPS at that time. The day he got sent down, he struck out four times against the Giants in uh, in San Francisco. He was hitting 189, 262, 299, like a really, really rough state of affairs. That uh, that series in Los Angeles, you may remember, that's that was when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit his first ever home run mm-hmm. in, in that series in San Francisco. Didn't he hit two? He hit two that runs? first day. He hit one was just an yeah. absolute bomb. Nonetheless, uh, so Teoscar came back and and was a much better hitter. The thing about him that's so interesting to me is that he is, you know, Charlie said it, and I'm sure you, there are lots of things that were floating around on Twitter, wherever. I was looking, I looked at, I can't remember, I picked a date, and I went and I came forward to today. And Teoscar Hernandez is ranks among the top like 15 hitters in baseball. I, I don't remember exactly mm-hmm. the exact day that I picked. He has a 137 weighted runs created plus. Like he's, he's almost like yeah, since, since the since since that since 2019 season, it might've been the all-star break. I might've just picked a day. It might've just been, I might've just done like the two calendar years. If you go two calendar years back from today, I know I can't remember what okay. split I created. I was messing around on fan yeah, graphs yeah. when I'm supposed to be working. Well, imagine that, but uh, <laughs> like he, that's, that's, that's a similar offensive pr- production of like Xander Bogarts. Um, uh-huh. You know, there are lots of hitters who who are good and we recognize as top hitters in the game. And Teoscar is right there. But the thing that makes him really unique, and, I, and we're really seeing it right now, is that he's hitting for a really high average. Now, obviously, batting average is kind of the bloom has come off that rose in the, in the eyes of a lot of baseball fans. But it doesn't mean that it, it's not meaningless. It's not the I'm number one arbiter, arbiter of whether a hitter is good or not, but to hit 300 still means something. It still is indicative of a certain quality of hitter. And right now, Teoscar Hernandez is hitting 313 this year. And if you go back the last two calendar years, over which span, by the way, Marcus Simeon is the number one player in baseball by wins above replacement. So, but if you go back two years, Teoscar Hernandez is like a 297 average. Like there aren't a lot of bad hitters who can claim that. And if you, Add in the fact that he hits for so much power. That's when things really, in my mind, get interesting. Because if you go above over the last two years, if you look at number of hitters who have hit 290 and above and slugged more than like 500, it's a list of like eight guys. And Teoscar Hernandez is one of them. It's Teoscar Hernandez. It's Freddie Freeman. It's Juan Soto. It's, it is a wild list of players. And he's on it, and it's crazy. But it also is, he's a different kind of guy than they are at the same time. Because of those hitters, his production is significantly lower. Right? He's still, like, he's, that's great company to keep. But of those hitters, he's the least productive. And it's because his, he doesn't produce like they do. He doesn't walk a lot. And he, and, and he doesn't strike, but he strikes out a lot. So he's not like those guys, but he's, he's unique and he's very Blue Jays. He's, he is kind of like the Blue Jays entire offensive philosophy writ large or personified, I guess I should say. But so he's a great hitter and he's great to watch and, 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 and he's been so productive. But maybe there's a part of me that's a little bit like waiting for the other shoe to drop a little tiny bit. Just wondering about like, can you, can you, how long, how good do you have to be? And he might be that good, but I mean, between him and Bo Bichette, or and even when Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is going well, I'm constantly asking myself, like, how good do you have to be to be a sustainably strong, well above average big league hitter when you just don't walk, when you swing at everything, and when there's tons of swing and miss in your game? It's a little bit worrisome, I, but not to say that I don't, this was supposed to be like celebrate to Oscar Hernandez, and I've been <laughs> celebrating with huge, enormous, hilarious, slightly oversized pom poms about Teoscar Oscar Hernandez because he is such a he has such a we joke about his vibes, but he's always 
like smiling. He's very fun. He's very, I, he's daring on the base pass. He loves to get thrown out, loves to get himself into idiotic situations. <laughs> like on, was it on Sunday when he got, yeah. he was picked off by like 15 feet at second base. And then the, the catcher threw the ball into center field. So then here he comes scampering on home. Like, yeah, Tay Oscar, you make them get you up. But I don't know. It's just, there's a, there's that one little sort of red flag in, in his game. And it's not that, it's a, not a miracle, but it's definitely noteworthy that he's able to produce while still being an unconventional producer. And maybe I'm maybe I'm stuck in the you know baseball perspective 2.0 kind of mindset. Maybe I'm maybe I'm stuck in like the year 2007 or something like that. But I'm I'm really interested to see how he can go forward as this style style of player because when you look at his baseball savant page i'm going to shut up now i promise but all his numbers are through the roof right he he makes incredibly hard contact he has one of the best expected batting averages in all of baseball which is to say he makes a lot of good contact i really feel like he's using the whole field a lot more even this year um and he's just he's really been a great hitter but i'm i don't know if worried is the right word i'm just i got my eye on it I don't know about you. So, which is my what my kind of back around, around the uh, the backdoor way of saying maybe I'm not so enthusiastic about signing him long term? Question mark, shrug, total betrayal of my entire persona. <laughs> um, well, it's an interesting question. I think he's going to be in his second year of arbitration this offseason. Um, <clears throat> and so the Blue Jays could go through with this year of arbitration and then look to figure it out next year and whether they sort of want to buy him out of his final year of arbitration where um, they sign him to a longer term deal. I think that's what they did with Randall Gritchuk. I think Randall had one more year of arbitration um, left when they signed him to that $52 million extension for five years. Um, And so, I mean, I don't know your views on that deal. Um, There's probably a lot of people that, do not like it. Maybe have, has not seen it aged well. It certainly seems like it's a tough contract to move. At the same time, Randall Gritchick is uh, some, you know, he's a uh, a serviceable player for the Blue Jays. He's he's doing Randall Gritchick things. He continues to do Randall Gritchick things. But yeah, I mean, if you use that as a comparable it, to kind of figure out maybe what the Blue Jays would be thinking. I mean, I do think that because of, the what you were talking about before and like the way that Teoscar has improved his numbers and he has improved them in those traditional uh, baseball card stats that are used in arbitration. You know, he's hit more home runs and his batting average is up and he's, uh, I don't know if they include walks or whatever. No, I, I'm not sure, but, but there are certain stats that he's definitely improved at. And so I do think that he's due for a fairly significant payday, this upcoming arbitration. Um, and then you you wonder how much it'll be for next time around if the Blue Jays, it would be better for them to get some cost certainty, um, get some roster certainty and all that kind of stuff by locking him in. But I also hear your point as well as like, is he a long-term investment that the Blue Jays need to make? Um, are they going to have too many of those types of players if they you know have Lourdes Gurriel and Bo Bichette and Teoscar Hernandez and um, you know, some of the other guys have a different hitting profile, but those three are similar for the reasons that you've already spelled out. So, uh, you know, I was actually thinking about that today and I think I've said this on the podcast before is like this, the study of what deals could look like. Some of my colleagues are quite good at doing those comparables. It's just not something that I've ever written on much or like delve deeply into, but I'm interested to sort of see, or maybe I could figure it out or what, the what a deal for Teoscar could potentially look like because I wonder if we're just overvaluing him right now in this particular moment because he's he's so hot um, at the plate right now and he's had a pretty good season. Well, not pretty good. He's having a very good season. And dating back to last year, two very good seasons. But I wonder if the Blue Jays see different numbers and they see different things and how they value him. So it would be, you know, if you use the Randall Gritchuk deal as a benchmark, obviously I think that Teoscar – um, can earn more than that, but um, I, I don't know exactly what the number would be. I mean, I got no problem personally with the with the Randall Gritchick contract. I, I it, it's always it's puzzling to me that it's used as such a cudgel all the time, like it's some mm-hmm. kind of 
franchise breaking, you know, immovable, just a just a bunch of dead money sitting there because it is not that. I, I don't have the number exactly in front of me, but like, doesn't Randall Gritchick make like nine million dollars a year? Which that's a lot of money, but that is not a lot of baseball money for any team, especially a team with that should or does have, you know, a designs on being a contender and being a like a big club to use a bit of a soccer term. Like that is not a lot of money. And that said, if you could get Teoscar Hernandez, who's a little bit younger and a little bit better than I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's about 10 million bucks a year, but like, come on, yeah, come on. I would, I would happily may, maybe happily. I don't know. That's not, if he would sign that, that's crazy, but okay. Like, I think he's, <laughs> yeah. got, he's probably a better player than that. He's, mm-hmm. and uh, again, the other things we, we, the things that, that he does well are over, are overlooked in their way. Like he's, he's the fastest runner on the team, right? Which is, which is not nothing. He's a, he's a delight and everybody seems <laughs> to love him. That's got to be worth something. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I don't know, but it, I, maybe I'm a little scared. Maybe I'm a little too risk averse. Maybe there's an opportunity to, to shake up the, the, the the makeup of the of the batting lineup in a little way in, in a way because which kind of goes back into the bigger kind of philosophical picture which is like are we too easy to pitch to are we too easy to get out against relievers and the big number again the, well, one thing I think that came up on the weekend again is yeah sure it's easy to point fingers at the bullpen it's easy to to say oh Trevor Richards gave up uh, two home runs Adam Simber lost the strike zone but they can't hit after the sixth inning. The Blues have a really rotten record of, of uh, offensive production late in games. Uh, and, and while it's, I think we've moved beyond as a, as a thinking fan base, the folks who are maybe more inclined to, to listen to a show like this, who are not going to be like, it's because they got no heart. They're trying to hit home runs all the time. It's as opposed to being like, this is a, this is a, a design flaw as much as anything, which is good relievers can get this group out. And that there's only one Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but the rest of them are very free-swinging, hyper-aggressive, which serves them very well, allows them to build up big leads, allows them to shell anybody who's, if they're a starter or whoever, they're off their game. But if you're a power right-handed reliever, you have the potential to make a lot of hay against the Blue Jays. And I just want, like, if you're asking me, which is because I've created this debate in my head, this dilemma... If you're asking me to pick between Tyosker Hernandez and Boba Chet, I know which one I'm going to pick. And unfortunately for the vibes, it's not going to be Tyosker Hernandez. Well, maybe you can have both. Fair. <laughs> I'm sure the Blue Jays might have it in their plans to have both. I don't know that they... Um, I mean, they are at a place in their, um, I guess, timeline or whatever, where they can start to spread the money out a little bit. You know, some the the benefit for them is that some of these guys are kind of staggered and to Oscar's bigger paydays are going to come up soon. And then a few more years, Vlad's bigger paydays are going to come. And then a few more years later, Bo's bigger day, paydays are going to come. And so they have options to um, stagger it a little bit. I think sometimes people get ahead of themselves and they're already thinking about how the Blue Jays can keep this group together as opposed to, you know, figuring out uh, who should stay together and who you should lock up and all that kind of stuff. So that's an interesting question. But, um, yeah, the the late inning thing is, is kind of hard to figure out. Um, obviously, yeah, it's because they're facing better relievers. But why do the Blue Jays just have such a difficult time? Because, and I get it, like, yes, they're free swingers and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's just, it's strange to see other teams ahead of them that are better than them in late innings because they're not good teams. Um, and so it's, it's just a, a very strange thing. And I'm sure that the Blue Jays, you know, all the, I don't know, all the front office people and analytics people and whatever their jobs are. Um, research and development are just like pouring over the numbers and trying to figure out what is this, as you put it, design flaw in this team and why can't they figure it out late? Because it is becoming an issue. I mean, the Blue Jays, it it is getting to the point where if they're down a couple runs in the seventh inning, it's as much as this team has this sort of reputation as like they don't quit, they don't quit. And sometimes they do come through. But if you look at the numbers, 
more often than not, they aren't able to come through in the late innings. Yeah, and, and I think uh, I think that the design flaw is a whoever thought of that is a genius um, because I, I really think that that's that's how I would describe it. It's it just makes it puts the Blue Jays knowing the way that that bullpens are built in 2021. It puts their the majority of the guys in their lineup in a position not in a position to succeed, right? Because of the, the their style, because that the the velocity and the sliders to the very right handed lineup makes it tough, right? When you don't have the time to 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 to, to that extra velocity gives pitchers the opportunity to get away with mistakes that a guy that's not throwing as hard can't. And the Blue Jays are, we've seen many pitchers this year who have changed their approach because they know they're facing the Blue Jays and they come with breaking balls first and foremost. Maybe, you know, relief pitchers can come in and, and not, and, and not worry about their pitch count. So they don't have to try to get one over on the first pitch, which, you know, everybody knows the Blue Jays love to ambush, love to jump in on, on that first pitch. Um, you know, Marcus Simeon's having an incredible year. He's the same kind of hitter, right? Simeon, Bichette, uh, uh, Hernandez. Grichik, Guriel, whoever's catching, everybody, you know, and then when you get into the other guys who are not really hitters, like that makes things tough. And even Vlad, right? Vlad's numbers late in games aren't great either. He's drawn up quite a few more walks, I think. He has been known to be selective, but, and then, and, and Springer's obviously had some great success beating the hell out of Matt Barnes like Vlad, but uh, it just, it's a design concern. And then maybe long term, that's not the way you want to go about building your team. And maybe that's going to kill you because you'll be like, we're going to let Teoscar Hernandez, if we, if we're on the Blue Jays and we let Teoscar Hernandez walk, he's going to go and be a star somewhere, just like he's been a star for us. But maybe you need to reorganize the way that you build your offense and think about, again, are we trying to accrue guys with high winning? And then again, it comes to a philosophy thing. Are we trying to accrue the guys who can, over the long run, amass the most weighted runs created. Plus, are we trying to build a winning team? Right? There's a different way to build it. You think about how you're going to build a winning team, but at some point, you got to think about: Do we need to do things a little bit differently to win ball games? Because we have had a hard time winning these late and close games, and maybe their approach collectively leaves them vulnerable in the playoffs. Maybe they could have used, perhaps, just saying. A very large left-handed batter who walks like 18% of the time, hits lots of home runs. Maybe that guy would look good in the lineup. I'm just putting it out there. Just saying. I don't know. Something to, something to think about. Something to be aware of. <sighs> that hurt. This hurts. This has hurt my soul. This whole segment <laughs> is like, I don't like it. I don't feel good about any I don't, of this. I didn't know that this was going to take this turn. I thought this was going to be the like... To Oscar, sign him forever hour. Which, you know, if I if I if I play this back when it's when it's out, or if someone says you've betrayed me and Tay Oscar <laughs> and all of us, I will probably be like, you know what, just back up the truck, back up. You know, or if he does something cool or funny, I'll be like, all right, forget it. I don't know what I was thinking. Sign him. You know, they they, they this is more about watching them 162 games a year, not winning seven in October, four in October whatever it is. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, the Blue Jays, as we take a bit of a look ahead, again, mm-hmm. so the set, the schedule does get softer. Are, have our Have your expectations, or do you think the expectations should change a little bit? maybe been brought back down to earth just in terms of like they expecting them to go out and win every game. As we already said, they really, there's no reason they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be able to get two games from Washington, but like, again, we can't expect them to just sweep every sweep, every series. So do you think expectations might, might be adjusted coming into the next uh, couple weeks? Um, I don't think so. I think fans are expecting them to win. <laughs> I think the fans want them to win because all year they've sort of looked the part of a playoff team in a lot of respects and to you know to some extent they haven't put that together consistently throughout the entire season but there's been flashes where they've put it together and that to that tends to really excite um fans as it should because you know the team's playing well and they look like they can be a really good team and they can make some noise um and so no i i think that it, the expectations um, are still going to be high. Maybe they, you just have to prepare for the fact that it's hard to win every game and the Blue Jays are going to lose some games that they, you feel like they should win or they're going to lose some games against teams that are bad. I mean, also like the thing is, I think when you follow a team like the Blue Jays so closely and, uh, baseball fans, I think particularly baseball fans are very like hyper local as they should be because like following a baseball team takes a lot of time. There's a lot of games. You, you don't have much time to follow other teams if you're following one team specifically, but even just like looking around also because I did the power rankings recently. So I was like looking at how other teams have been doing and stuff. And like, you know, the Oakland A's, they've been playing really well, but they just came off a really disappointing series loss against the Texas Rangers. I think they lost two of three to the Rangers. Um, and So that, you know, that happens to other teams. And I think that when the Blue Jays fans are just so focused on the Blue Jays and they see we lost, you know, their team lost two games to Seattle and it just looks like the world is ending or it's just, you know, this couldn't have gone any worse. But at the same time, I mean, the Oakland also lost two games against actually a, a much worse team than Seattle. So it happens like good teams lose to bad teams sometimes and more than you think, you know, it, it happens. And so, I would just caution that that when that happens, um, it sometimes feels like, yeah, this is always this is always happened to the Blue Jays. And yes, I think that they've had a lot of really bad losses this year. I think it was something like they've lost eleven games after they've been leading in six into the sixth inning or something like that. And uh, they're tied with I think Atlanta and Arizona for like the most losses. Um, after the sixth inning or whatever it was, whatever the stat is. Um, So yeah, there's been a lot of crushing losses, but I think it's also, um, you know, you, sometimes you can lose a bit of perspective when you're just so focused on the blue Jays and you feel like, you know, they shouldn't be losing these games. And it's like, well, it happens team, good teams lose games. I also should say that like the, the tigers are coming. I think they play the tigers next weekend. Mm -hmm. Tigers are uh, playing pretty well. Um, I mean, they're still not, a great team. They're still playing in the central and I, you know, playing in the central is, you know, it's like one team and then, and then the race to the bottom. But, mm-hmm. um, the Tigers are, are, you know, been playing pretty good lately and they, uh, they have some good young players. Although I don't know if you saw where I'm going with this, but I think I saw that Drew Hutchison, old friend will be starting one of those games in Toronto and he did not get, have a good start on the weekend, he, which he was didn't. his first start in years. His first start since 2018. So mm-hmm. what I was going to say is, oh, I have a couple things I was going to say. Thank you, Caitlin. Uh, the Blue Jays okay. have, I believe, 14 games left here in August. They've got two against the Nationals. They've got six against the Tigers, two against the Orioles, and four at home. 
against the White Sox. So realistically, say they win four of the games against the Tigers, two against the Nationals. Again, are we saying now they got to win both the games against the Orioles? So now they're at eight. Is that, I might have miscounted the games. Two, five, nine, 12, 14. There's a lot of, a lot of wins out there, but the kind of blessing and the curse of playing these two series against Detroit really back to back is, yeah, for the Blue Jays perspective, you would have loved to have gotten the, the Tigers earlier in the season when they were really struggling. But mm-hmm. now I feel like getting to, getting them in rapid succession means you get, you get both parts of the Tigers, which is to say you get the ass end of their rotation when, when you get to face Drew Hutchison and whoever else they might be rolling out there. Yeah, they're going to have to face Casey Mize. They're going to have to face uh, Tarek Skubal and uh, whoever else that, that are, you know, some of the encouraging young pitchers that the Tigers have to offer, um, you know, and, and their offense that is kind of, you know, a little bit whatever. Poor Miguel Cabrera, ghost of Miguel Cabrera still out there grinding away. But he's going to hit 500 soon. He is. Joey, uh, speaking of which, Joey Votto, shout out Joey Votto, got his 2,000th hit tonight. 2,000 hits, 300 home runs, home run, uh, Hall of Fame for sure. Shout out forever, Joey Votto. But, you know, you, you so if, if you win four games, if you get four of these six games against the Tigers, that's got to be considered a win. Right. But that doesn't mean that if, if they only win three, that it's, it's the end of the day. But the problem is, as I said at the beginning, and I'll say it again now, what I believe that fans, as, as we're using in like in a, in a, in a boogeyman sort of straw man capacity here, say they got to win every game. They got to win every series. They got to win, you know, five or six the rest of the way. The problem is that they do. If the Blue Jays want to make the playoffs, and if you want to watch the Blue Jays make the playoffs, they have to win at a very unreasonable rate. And it's just the, they don't have to. If they don't, that's great. It's not a great moral failing of anybody in that lineup or anybody in the front office. It's not a it's not a great tragedy along the lines of some of the human rights things we're seeing unfold every single day across the world. But it will be a disappointment if they don't make the playoffs this year, considering a what the expectations were coming in and be what they've been able to achieve, you know, in broad strokes. So that's the problem is they have to win these games if they want to win, if they want to make a sincere and earnest playoff push. And it doesn't mean that it's reasonable and it doesn't mean that it's fair and that to expect them to win four out of six games against the Tigers and anything less is a disappointment. But that's the position that they've put themselves in. It's a position that they're in playing in the division that they play in, as we made jokes about the central you know, not only is the American League East so full of of talented teams that are with winning records, it's also the Baseball America announced their midseason organizational uh, rankings in terms of prospects, and the Blue Jays, who have lost, of course, Austin Martin, lost uh, Simeon Woods Richardson, graduated Alec Manoa, so that's a lot of talent to have left the farm system. The Blue Jays still have the 10th best farm, according to Baseball America. But the problem is that the Red Sox are nine. The Rays are, I think, five. And the Orioles are two. So you've got four teams from the American League East in the top 10 of prospect rankings or, 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 or you know, organizational depth rankings, as well as having a division that has four teams with Winning for with better than 535 winning percentages. Four teams in the division that have won at least 60 games right now. It sucks, but it's their reality. And just like it's the reality that this is what the Blue Jays front office and this is what Blue Jays fans have to contend with, it's the same thing that the Blue Jays have to contend with, which is they have to win an unreasonable amount of games that they want to make the playoffs now and every year in the future. But this is a chance that they've got. And one game at a time. I'm, I'm going into the bag of cliches here. They can only play <laughs> one game at a time, right? It's got to focus on Washington on Tuesday, and then they'll play, uh, get ready to fun and finish up that season on Wednesday. I, I don't know. I got no more cliches for you, but it sucks, but it's uh, the fact of the matter. Caitlin, what else, what do you have to look forward to this week? Um, I have some games to report on. Mm. I have a homestand coming back up. That'll be fun. Getting back home. No doubt. No doubt. I'm going to try and go to a baseball game, I think. Making a nice. bold announcement in public, which means it'll never happen. The Detroit series? 
I would love to see the Detroit. I love the Detroit um, uniforms. I think that the Blue Jays should have a better rivalry with the with the Tigers. They uh, used to. I know it's great. It's the way it should be. I. It looks like right now it might be the A's. If I, if I'm able to uh, finagle some things, uh, here's a fun fact about me: is that the game that I'm targeting to go to, I have a friend who's going to be in town from the uh, from jolly old England. Uh, is that is the same day as I'm looking up the stairs? See if anybody can hear me. Uh, it's the same day as my wedding anniversary. So Ooh. fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed on that one. Nonetheless, I encourage everyone to go and uh, check out the stuff that Caitlin has described that she has not yet written, <laughs> but maybe by the time you hear this, she will have written it. Go read her weekend that was. Go read the power rankings. Subscribe to The Athletic. Subscribe to the show. Follow Caitlin on Twitter. Whatever. Me. I'm trying to write the newsletter Sometimes I had a fun, actually, I wrote, uh, I kind of did a breakdown. It was like the, the, my favorite moment of the season. It was Vlad Jr. versus Shohei Otani. We haven't talked about that at all. That I thought you the, talked about, oh, because it was a Thursday. I was thinking you had covered that on the Angels podcast, but it was the Thursday. No, Wednesday. Yeah, we, no, we so Thursday. Riley and I recorded, oh. if you haven't checked out that episode, uh, please do. We had a, uh, it was a lot of fun to talk about the Angels and, and just uh, the kind of how much worse it could be. If you're the Blue Jays, if you're a Blue Jays fan, recognizing a team that the line that Riley used was great to describe the Angels, like they don't have a plan. They got lots of money. They're happy to spend it. They've got incredible talent, but they don't have a plan. And the Blue Jays have definitely um, um, demonstrated that if they, if nothing else, they have a plan. They have an idea of what they want to do, what they think that they need to do. Um, but yeah, so obviously the Blue Jays played. That was Tuesday night. The Blue Jays played. Uh, Otani started on Thursday. And uh, pitched uh, pretty well. Got hit harder in, a little bit in the earlier going. And then just sort of settled down. And he he is a different guy than, than he was even earlier in the season when he was striking everybody out and getting like an insane amount of, of swinging strikes and walking everybody. Now he just is, he looks more like the kind of guy you would be like, he's a pitcher. He's not a thrower. He's a pitcher. And that he just doesn't walk people. His he, I think he only struck out six um, in that game. But just you cannot square him up. Like you can't hit him hard. Vlad hit one hard, um, bounded it through the through the hole, a very hard hit ball. And then uh, we haven't, we didn't even talk about Vlad. Vlad's kind of sort of coming out of his slump. I think I saw um, a, a great stat from Sarah Langs uh, that he, Vlad had three batted balls that were more than 115 miles an hour or something like that, all in the same game, which has never ha- had yeah. never happened before. But I mean, he's I, at no point in his slump. I don't think the issue was that he wasn't hitting the hard, hitting the ball hard. I think even throughout the slump, mm-hmm. there was a little bit dip of exit velocity, but wasn't um, totally noticeable. Um, I think though it has been encouraging to me. The encouraging thing has been just he's walking a lot more again. I think mm-hmm. that was sort of the more concerning thing before that rougher stretch was that he was striking out quite a bit more looked like he was chasing a little bit more and he wasn't getting the walks um now he's getting the walks again he got had a walk he had one walk against Shohei, i think he walked against otani the once yeah. um really not a he was that a, was that the otani i can't remember there was that might have been the, the that at bat against otani where like he had, he didn't have any choice. Like he was, there were no, none of the pitches, none of the four balls were competitive. He swung actually not in that at bat. He swung at two bad pitches, but still walked because Otani just like didn't have the strike zone or was not interested in throwing him a strike. One of the two. Um, and then he, I think he walked twice, um, here on the weekend. He had a, another couple of hard hit balls and then walked mm-hmm. twice, which again, the, the big thing for me and one of the be- things that he's done so well this season has gotten himself into lots of good hitting counts, like always ahead in the count. And so when he's doing that again, that's when it, um, when when he can uh, really take advantage of his eye, and also take advantage of the fact that he can really go hard when he's ahead, and then still know that his his ability to put the bat on the ball will, if if he swings through a two one pitch or a three one pitch or a two zero pitch, he's still in the driver's seat, and he's still that much more likely to get another pitch to hit. Which when he's behind, then he's really up against it, and then he does have swing and miss in his game a little bit for a guy who doesn't strike out that much, so. So, uh, yeah, definitely not, not saying that, uh, all warning signs are off, but just, I think a lot of it just being his timing, right. His timing looks that much better. He looks a little Mm -hmm. bit more comfortable. So yeah. Now Bo's the one that's slumping a little bit. Five strikeouts. (laughs) Five. I think, I think, 
I'm going to attribute that to the shin uh, issue until I'm not kind of thing. Like I'm, I'll give it a few more games because uh, it's yeah, he could still be kind of hurting it a little bit, and it could be kind of distracting to be hitting with that. I don't know. And I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up a little bit because while we have been trying to get out of here and let poor, <laughs> poor uh, producer Cam go on his way with uh, with uh, with his night, um, it kind of goes back to that that thing that we were talking with George Springer, right? Where like, base, you know, baseball's hard. Baseball's a grind, and the number of time times you got to get out there and do that and play um hurt and really struggle and almost like underperform um uh, you're forced to underperform in a little way because uh because you're just not right and and big old shin contusions and if that's going to mess up your timing messing up your your load especially somebody who swings so big as mm-hmm. uh as Bobachet it's no fun that that was the seventh five strikeout game in Blue Jays history now there to to uh Footnote to that, a couple of these games are a little bit longer. Uh, Nolan Reimold struck out five times in a game, but he got nine plate appearances. Michael oh. Saunders struck out five times in a game. He got eight plate appearances. Nolan Reimold struck out five times and walked <laughs> twice in the same game. Uh, Alex Rio struck out five times in a game twice as a Blue Jay. And Alex Gonzalez, the good, the, the, the really good Alex Gonzalez, he struck out six times in a game Oh my, in 1998. Against Cleveland. Wow. And Freddie Galvis struck out five times in 2019. Speaking of the bad old days, shout out to, first shout out to Freddie Galvis. Very useful player. He'll have a, has had a long career. Well-deserved. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's enough. That's, enough. Yes, that's now, a bit of, bit now of a coda. Now we should leave. Now we should leave. This is like the, this is like the, the code. This is the, the behind the paywall only <laughs> extra bonus content. Caitlin, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you taking the time on your day off or the off day. Not the Thank same. You. Day off, off day. Yes, important distinction. Important distinction. So her name is Caitlin McGrath. My name is Drew Fairservice. We thank you so much for taking the time. We'll talk to you next time on Spin Rate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.